part of a youth group where uh, I was marginalized, ostracized, and quite frankly, uh, the unbelievers I knew outside of the church were far kinder to me uh, than the believers who were within it. And so I was left with a, a bit of a dilemma because I loved God and I hated his church. Come to find out that is not a unique experience. Uh, it's been said that the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny him with their lifestyle. This is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. We are currently in the middle of a, a mini-series we've titled Evidence Against Christianity. We are we're looking at some of the common objections that people have to the Christian faith and how we might respond to them. And tonight we're looking at Christian hypocrisy. Hypocrisy comes from this Greek term for play-acting. It, it means that you say one thing and you do something contrary to what you say. It's like when someone says they're a Browns fan and yet every time you see them, they're sporting Steelers attire. And so tonight, we are going to explore this objection, this issue of Christian hypocrisy through our text by making three movements. I want us to look at the heart of the issue, the answer to the issue, and our response to the issue. Okay. So the heart of the issue. Now, this argument seems pretty straightforward, right? Christians are hypocrites, therefore, I want nothing to do with Christianity. Uh, but just like last week when we looked at God and suffering, this, this question typically is not born out of uh, just pure logic. It normally comes from somewhere else. Think about, think about my struggle with hypocrisy in the church. It, it wasn't born out of pure logic. It was born out of the hurt that I had experienced at the hands of other Christians. See, those who raise this question honestly do so because they have been hurt by the inconsistency of Christians. And I want to propose to you then that the heart of this issue is disappointment. See, I actually think that, that most of the people in the world are interested in what Christianity has to offer. They want a world that is unbroken. They are interested in finding people who love and care for one another as they do themselves, where they are valued. I think everyone is looking for that. And that is exactly what Christianity proclaims. Notice how our text this evening begins. Once again, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're starting in verse 16. Paul writes, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That is the proclamation of Christianity. That, that we view and treat other people differently because in Christ, you can be made new. You can be a transformed human as you were intended to be. That, that Christianity is the way that a, a new and right world is brought about. And that is an awesome proclamation. 
In fact, it kind of sounds a little too good to be true. Kind of like those, um, those workout commercials. Like, have you ever seen those commercials that Beachbody puts out for, like, P90X or uh, Insanity? Uh, they, they make some amazing claims, right? You, you do this program for 60 days, and you eat this type of food, and boom, you'll be completely transformed. It's challenging, sure, but it's worth it, especially when you see the before and after photos. But, but imagine with me for a second that the before and after photos look exactly the same. Who do you think would buy the program? No one. No one would buy the program. Why? Because obviously it doesn't bring about the results that they promised. So too, if we proclaim that Christianity trans transforms lives and communities and the world, and yet our before and after photos look exactly the same. That's the heart of the issue. People are hurtfully disappointed that the proclamation of new life doesn't seem to be true in our lives. So how, do we, how do we answer that question? How do we answer this issue? And I think the answer really has two parts or movements to it. Part one, you tell them they're right. They're absolutely right. Christians are inconsistent. We don't love the other. We are selfish and sacrifice others to accomplish our purposes. But here's the thing. So is everyone else. That's why they're looking at Christianity in the first place, because the world around them, they themselves are broken. They are hoping to find someone, anyone who is consistent, who both says that he loves the other as himself and does that. The Bible tells us there is actually one person who was utterly consistent in this way. Someone who always loved the other, who always sought their good, even at his own expense. Paul tells us in verse 21 that for our sake, God made him, referring to Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus shoulders your brokenness and your rebellion. He bears the weight of it for you. And he actually makes an exchange with you. He takes your sin and rebellion that broke his world and put it on his shoulders. He puts the crosshairs of God's wrath upon himself. And in return, he shares with you his righteousness, his right standing before God. But understand what this is. It is not a piece of paper that says, you're good with God now. He gives us his spirit that transforms us to be like him. Now please understand, this is not an instantaneous change. It takes time. In fact, it takes a lifetime. But God is making you, if you have accepted Jesus as your Savior and King, to be like his son. See, the, the hope that, that we're looking for actually doesn't rest on our actions. It rests on his actions. And that's, that's really the answer to the issue. Don't, don't look at us. Look at the king. That being said, then, how do we respond when faced with this question? And we actually have, really have two responses. One we kind of touched on. First, we ask them to look to Jesus. Since Christianity is built on his person and works, it makes sense for them to base their opinion 
of the truthfulness of Christianity on what he said and did. And that's ultimately the spot that, that I got to. But do you know what helped get me there? Being around people who actually, whose lives had actually been changed by Jesus. Uh, see, during my junior high and early high school years, which is when most of this question was raging for me, there was, God in his kindness gave me one guy who was my small group leader. His name was Don Barnhart. And Don was an interesting chap. Um, he was always eating like healthy stuff, like prunes. Just was constantly eating prunes. And for whatever reason, he would not wear deodorant. Yeah, that's weird. I understand. But here's the thing. Don loved us. He was always there for us, showing up at our games, our extracurriculars, and he was constantly talking about Jesus with us. And looking back, Don played a large part in keeping me rooted to the faith because he lived the proclamation of Christianity. Don was an ambassador for Jesus, and that's what we are called to be as well. Uh, an ambassador is someone who represents their country in a foreign land. They are to embody the values and the character of their country, specifically of their ruler. And Paul tells us that that is what we are. That according to verses 18 through 20, he says that all of this, referring to that new creation stuff, all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. See, you are and I are God's representatives. This means that our highest aim is not to do what's best for me. It's to do what's best for king and country. Our job in the hallways, in the locker rooms, at our jobs, in our homes, is to make Jesus look good. We are to be winsome so that we might win some for him. We are to live out the proclamation of new creation. And to do that, we really need to examine our actions. Are we living out the proclamation of Christianity? Does our life look different now than when we accepted Christ as our Savior? We also need to look at our speech, not only how we are speaking to people, but are we sharing the proclamation? It'd be very strange as an ambassador never talked about their country never talked about their king. In the same way, we need to look about what we are proclaiming with our words and our deeds. And that's really the point of this lesson, guys. This is an issue, but you can help prevent it from being one. That you can prioritize the reputation of your king by how you speak and how you act. <laughs>